Welcome to Telford Elim Sunday Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. To keep up to date with all that's going on, please go to telfordelim.com. I do hope you enjoy today's talk. Okay, so the ones I had written down were a lot less, so it's really interesting. Um, I'd written down a focal point, meeting point, a place to meet, which was... The second one I wrote down, a group of people committed to meet together week by week or as often as work allows, even through the difficult times. So that was something I wrote down. So that sense of commitment. Those willing to serve with volunteers, prayer, preaching, worship, communion, an offering, spiritual ministry, fellowship. So does, it, does the fellowship aspect matter? Love. So welcome. What about? So that's twenty-four so far. Different things that make up a Sunday morning service. Quite complicated, isn't it? And yet it just seems to come all together. But it's so interesting that actually you guys—that's the things that you're looking for when you come to a church. Now, of course, we get caught up with a number of things. We get caught up with style of worship. We get caught up with the atmosphere, the ambience. Um, we get caught up with actually how people actually greet us and interact with us. They say that a person who comes to church for the first time have made up their mind within the first eight minutes whether they'll ever be back in that church again. That's what ecclesiologists say. That's the guys who study church. Say if a person was through the doors, within eight minutes they've made up their mind, will they ever be back again? And so they just say, or else, yeah, I'd like to come back here. So all of those things are really important. So I'll just go through them. What you said, what I wrote down. So a congregation itself, worship, hearts prepared for worship, the word, volunteers, testimony, the spirit making room for him, um, open hearts, thanksgiving, a meeting place, a pastor, prophetic words, a, th- a throne room for God, creating a throne room for God, communion, that Jesus is present, an offering, body ministry, prayer, musical instruments, a vision, fellowship, love, welcome. What's the final thing, do you think, a Sunday morning should be about. <coughs> so the unchurched. Creating a space for the unchurched. It's interesting that for Paul that was probably the most primary focus. It was reaching the lost. was creating a space. Okay, so we've done the, the positive side Let's do the night. What hinders you coming on a Sunday morning? Parking. Getting here. Sorry. The the weather. The weather. Okay. Work. Illness. Boarding service. <laughs> Excuses. 
What sort of excuses? Okay. So, um, concern for the less a positive concern for the less fortunate. The orphan, the widow, the poor, disenfranchised. Yeah. What about Satan? What about the world? I think anyone coming into the church, yeah. It's interesting, whenever I was, whenever Joan and I got married in 1988, we went to a honeymoon to Jersey. It's a hotel, and it was a lovely hotel, but it was no different from your home. You know, the carpet was, but it was a hotel, it was a nice hotel, there was a swimming pool out of, with no swimming pool at home, but everything else was basically like you have at home. You go to a hotel today, what's a hotel like today? Even two-star hotels now are. Even two-star hotels are better than your home generally, unless you have an amazing home. Uh, but most times, so if you go for a hotel experience now, it's three-star above. It's usually very good. It's it's a much plusher, nicer space. People go to shopping centres. Whenever I was young, you went to a local shop down the road, and the person probably smoking behind the counter and so forth. Today you go into a shopping center and it's marble everywhere. It's, it's a completely different experience. The world around us has conditioned us to expect um, something much more than just like it was your home. That's really interesting. Because the throne room experience that we talked about, we talked about the throne room, is a, if you go to the throne room of God and you look at what it says in heaven about the throne room of God, it's an amazing place. There's gold, jewels, rainbows, you name it. It's, it's a place of absolute beauty and perfection. Now, I'm not saying we need to hang a, a crystal chandelier in the, the ceiling and put marble everywhere. But actually, those things do matter to people, the unchurched coming in now. If you're passionate about Jesus, you'll nearly meet in a shed. As long as the presence of God there, you'll go there and you'll meet with Jesus and that's it. But if you are interested, if we really are serious about reaching the unchurched, then the setting matters. How people are greeted and all those sort of things really matter. How people are welcomed, as, we've, as somebody has said. All those things really matter. But it's really interesting. Um, we, we talk about offering, but that's... If I've, I've, my experience of church over the years is that whenever you have a good vision, money comes to it. It's something about it. God starts to motivate people and bring people, and money just seems to accumulate. If you haven't got a good vision, if you haven't got a vision, you're just trying to pay the bills and so forth, you're always struggling. That's my experience of church. Whereas if you have a good vision, you're clear about where you want to go, what you're trying to achieve, somehow or other things just start to come. God, God seems to refund that through the generosity of his people and through other means. There's something about it. There's an accumulation happens. But just back to that idea of the unchurched. When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Christmas. Last week. New Year's Eve. 
it's really it's a real challenge to us because um, we live in a very post-Christian pagan setting in many ways. If you come from overseas, um, from different countries, then it's a completely different setting quite often. But if you're indigenously raised, indigenously raised in this country, it's a very pagan setting. It's, you're raised in a post-Christian setting. So most people who've gone through school have had very little uh, contact or connection with anybody who's a Christian or any Christian teaching or so forth. We live in a very different age. And so therefore when they come in, what they're coming into is a completely alien environment. And if there's stains on the carpet and it's, you know, all those sort of things. Because that's what they're looking, whenever they go to a hotel or they, they go to a shopping center, they look for these things. And so what you're trying to do is trying to, by upping the quality of the setting, you're trying to remove the things that would normally stop them going back to a shop or going back to a hotel. Now, the, the hope is that once they come through the doors, they feel something of the love of Christ through us, and they also experience something of the grace of God at work. But it's a completely alien thing. Where else do you sing except in football matches? Like, where do you sing? Where does it come Everyone goes to a concert, and usually they hear somebody sing, or else they go to um, a rock concert or something, and then everyone sings, but nobody can hear anybody singing anyway. But it's, it's, a, it's a very alien environment, church. And plus, most people are used to going, if you're going to go and sing, you go to a football stadium or else you go to a very big um, hall or venue to sing. We call people in to sing into a space like this here or into a more traditional church. And they go, oh, because first of all, it's completely outside their comfort zone. It's a challenge, isn't it? Now, of course, if you really love the Lord, no, can't say that. If you are passionately engaged in reaching the lost, reaching the unchurched, then actually what you try to do is connect the person to your passion for Christ and let them see that through your... Because it's talk about 70 to 80 unique individual connection points before a person will come to Christ today. It used to be five, six years ago, but now it's about 70 to 80 individual connection points with a Christian before somebody will eventually come to Christ. That's what statistics say. So that's a very long-scale, long-term, long vision, isn't it? Big commitment. It used to be I led people to Christ after talking to them once, the first engagement with, as a younger Christian. But uh, I would find that very difficult today because two things. First of all, they have no Christian understanding, and usually you have an accumulation of pagan understanding. And so when, if they give their hearts to Jesus, they think, well, Jesus is just another God that I add into my life or another spirit or another teaching or philosophy just add to my life. I continue to do everything as I've always done, and I just keep Jesus in the granny flat, as I talk about. And then I go and visit Jesus when I really feel low or feel high, and, but it doesn't impact the rest of my life. And that's one of the challenges. How then do we start to disciple people properly? One of the things we didn't put down was discipleship, which is interesting, because that's at the, we're told to go and make disciples, not go and make really nice Sunday mornings, but we're told to go to make disciples. Our Sunday mornings should be a really important stepping stone in discipleship, in making disciples. Okay. 
So therefore, third question, and then I'm going to share a couple of pieces out of scripture. The third question, where is it on your priority list then Sunday morning? really interesting um, because I was thinking back in all the years I've been I've been here a few years now it's really interesting that I, I looking back anytime I was actually here once I think we were in holidays and we went to All Saints with the girls just to give them something different in holidays but every other time I've been in Telford every Sunday morning whether I'm on duty or not on duty doesn't matter I've been here. I missed one in 2006, February 2006, one Sunday morning. Now you say that's easy for you because you're a pastor. But actually it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And do I always feel like full of life coming into church? Well, the truth is not always feel full of life. I feel sometimes because of, especially because of self, Satan, uh, the world, things, just all sorts of things going on. It can be a real challenge coming in. But because it's a priority, then I say, okay, in spite of how I feel, I make the step. It's a real challenge. We talked yesterday morning in a group of yesterday morning about um, meeting an internet church or meeting through online. And that's amazing because you can connect with some of the most amazing churches in the world. Amazing worship, amazing settings, amazing preachers. Just, it's an amazing experience for two hours. But the thing you haven't done is you haven't actually rubbed up against somebody that you don't like or that you find a bit difficult to get on with. You haven't actually had to engage with somebody in real life. You have sat in front of a program, an amazing, amazing program that's put together. And it's like, watching a TV channel or watching a program on TV. It's sort of unreal, but it's amazing when you see it. But whenever we meet like this here, there'll be weeks whenever it's full and it's amazing, other weeks when it's half full and doesn't, isn't as amazing. It's you know, the reality of actually dealing with each other. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And the danger with internet TV is, which is great, it's amazing to see those services and hear the preaching and so forth. I'm not deriding it. I'm just saying if that is your only connection with church then actually you're not connecting with church you're connecting with a Hollywood vision of church it's the reality of our relationships where we often are, are shaped by Christ shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit it's rubbing up against each other it's dealing with each other it's dealing with death and life and birth and illness and loss of job and good jobs and education and all the things that are going on in our lives is that consistency of getting together because guess what when we get to heaven will you have to go to church I want to suggest you will but it will be so compelling because guess who's the worship leaders? And guess what the experience will be like? And the other thing, we won't have to battle with self, sin, Satan, the world around us. We won't have to battle with those four in heaven. It's going to be an amazing experience.
And the other thing about it is it won't go on beyond an hour and a half in heaven. Every service will be up an hour and a half and you'll be able to get home and get your dinner and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> well, the other thing about heaven is you won't get tired. So you actually could do a full 24-hour, seven-day-a-week. There will be no weeks and no hours in heaven just to let you know that. But you could do the full-on experience of just being there. You'll not, I don't think you're going to sweat in heaven either. So that would be good. No body odor. That's going to be really helpful in the long term. I don't think there's going to be ice or frost or snow. I'm not sure. But, you know, it's preparing us. There's something about meeting together that prepares you. I always used to look at it like this. Whenever I went to Sunday morning church or to church, then it did two things for me. First of all, it had a real impact upon my life. And the second thing it did was that it really filled me up. There was something I left fuller than I came. I've got a Bible with you. Turn with me to Psalm 99. So I'm just going to read the first five verses of Psalm 99. The Lord is king, let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his throne, for he is holy. We know that God will bless his word to our hearts. Here we have this amazing passage, and it's just a time of praise. In it, he says that God sits on a throne in verse 1. As a result of him sitting on the throne between the cherubim, let the whole earth quake. It should have a huge impact upon us. The second one, it says, he sits in majesty on that throne above the nations. He is exalted above the nations. The third verse, it tells us that he is holy and great and to be praised or lauded. Remember, thanksgiving opens the door. Uh, praise lauds the one we love, draws us closer into us. But then it also says in verse 3, not only is his name great, but it's holy. His name is holy. It's the holiness of God that awakens sin within us and makes us feel wow, God, I'm not exactly where I should be yet. And it draws us to want to go closer. In verse 4, it says, He's a mighty king. He's an ethical king who loves fairness, justice, and righteousness. And then in verse 5, we have this amazing thing that it tells us that he is to be exalted. Praise the Lord our God. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship before his throne. Bow low before his feet. For he is holy. Holy is he. He's holy. And so, there's a lot of truth in what you said, Carmen. Trying to create a throne room, an experience of where we encounter him as he really is. Because if we encounter him, all of those 26 things that we put down, then find their fulfillment, their completion in him. If we're just coming to meet, then it's not going to change us. 
But the wonderful thing is, the more we engage with this, the more we should be changed. It's interesting that nearly all the aspects that you have spoken out today are all aspects that God gave us in his word, through the word, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's God who set the pattern. Actually, everything that you said in these here is what he set down in his word. Somewhere's in his word about meeting or part of our lives. Isn't that amazing? God's really interested when we meet on Sunday mornings or when we meet. He's really interested. Exalt the Lord our God by low before his feet. Praise the Lord our God. Worship before his throne. Holy is he. Romans 14. It says these words in Romans 14 and it's verses 17 and 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And that's the other one I would like to add it, encouragement. Encouragement is to be a big part of Sunday morning. Encouraging each other and seeking to build each other up. But the kingdom of God is not just about a matter of eating or drinking, but it's about living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what this Sunday morning should inspire us to be. The final one is Hebrews 12, verses 22 to 24. We come to Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You've come to Jesus, the one who um, mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So we're coming. When we come to worship, when we come together to worship, we're not just coming to this place, but we're actually coming to meet with God, the living God. We're coming before the heavenly Jerusalem and to the countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. And so your voices are not only heard here, but your voices are heard in heaven as we sing, as we worship. It transcends this life, this place. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven when you've believed in Jesus. You've come to God himself who is the judge over all things. Coming together opens up our hearts. It's a time whenever the intents and the thoughts and the deep things of our hearts are made bare before God. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. That sense that we are joining with them in worshipping the one who is already enthroned. You've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant. Hallelujah. So let us come. We're going to worship again and then we're going to come around the communion table. 
Thank you for listening to Telford Elim's Sunday podcast. To keep up to date, go to telfordelim.com or find us on social media.